This is the Unearthing Art Podcast with Michelle Luminato and Beck Lee, where we dig into the messy reality of making art that matters, raw and real conversations about being an artist, navigating the creative process, and expressing our honest and sometimes weird selves. This week, Michelle unfortunately had the flu and lost her voice, so we weren't able to record a new conversation. But I have taken the opportunity to do something I have been wanting to do for a while. As you know, if you've listened to a few previous episodes, I am personally prone to some big ups and downs when it comes to how I'm feeling about my art and getting into the studio. So I've been wanting to make something I could listen to, a kind of ultra-concentrated encouragement tonic that could help remind me that we all go through uncertainty and doubt, what it really means to be an artist, and how to shift that stuck and feel good about showing up for yourself. Today's episode is what I came up with, a compilation of some of my favorite conversations to shake up sluggish moods and recalibrate perspectives for possibility. I hope you find it useful too, and take this as a prescription to play it whenever and wherever you need. I think if you're getting to a point where you're getting stuck and it feels like I just don't know what to do next. That's when we can start wanting to grab onto things like there must be some external quality that I'm missing. But it comes back to asking the right questions. And if you don't, if you reach a point where you don't have any more questions to ask, you're just looking at something and say, I don't, I don't know what to do next. You've got to find some movement. You've got to find a way to say, how do I move this? And questions like, what's the feeling that I'm going for? Opens up a pathway mm-hmm. to start moving again we can never kind of come to a standstill and give up our own agency Mm -hmm. in progressing something handling the uncertainty absolutely that's inherent in a creative life it's two sides of the coin it's what makes it fun and amazing and it's also what makes it scary Mm -hmm. and I think early on in our career we feel like that uncertainty is going to go away I think And so that lack of confidence stems from that because you're like, oh, I'm still uncertain. And then you realize as you become, you know, a painter for longer, you're like, oh, that's just every day. All right. I don't need to be attached to that. We're kind of talking at two levels here. There's the level of uncertainty with the work and what outcome the work's going to have and um, what that means about the work. And then there's actually a, an underlayer there, which is the uncertainty about ourselves as artists and what yes. does the outcome mean about who we are and whether we're going to be okay, whether um, a failure indicates something deeper about us failing as artists. Not being clear about those two levels can, if it gets muddled, everything kind of gets balled up together. Totally. And- So my thought this week has been instead of thinking about an outcome on a particular piece at the art level, going a step below and saying actually what I'm focusing on and practicing right now is being in touch with my source of inspiration Mm -hmm. and knowing that this is where I think we can deal with uncertainty in a positive way. Because as you say, at the level of producing the art, you can never get rid of uncertainty because that's kind of the point of art and expression. Mm -hmm. You're always dealing with uncertainty. But at the underlayer, I think you can develop a level of certainty in yourself. And the level of certainty is that you can trust in your own source of inspiration. You just stated my objective is to 
to tune in to my source of inspiration, like you're, there's a, an objective that you have. And I think that's where it gets a little muddled on what's our objectives. Is our objective to go out here and do this? Or is it to the, like, there's so many things we're trying to do. And of course, it's overwhelming. Of course, it's frustrating. And, and I think, especially when you're trying to have breakthroughs, that's the piece that I think people want to rush through. And that's when they get this anxious feeling of like, I got to create these paintings. I've got to go out. I've got to get these out in the market. You have to be patient with these objectives of getting to know yourself and working on that area that gives you the truest source of inspiration. And what I mean by that is the well is deep. The, it's so deep and it will not fail you. You're going to like, it's so pleasantly surprising how full the well is. And it's just like you dip and you dip and it keeps on giving. Sometimes we get so upset with our art in that process because in our mind, it didn't do what we were wanting it to do. Like it didn't fulfill mm. that imagination that we're like, oh, it could be this and then it comes out differently. And we're so upset that we're like, shame on you, naughty you. Now I got to go off and solve it in another way. And then if we can just back off from that and like step outside of being so controlling and intimate, I'm not saying you're being controlling, but I'm saying. I think I am. I okay. think you can say it's- that I'm being controlling, Michelle. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I'm like, I am so controlling it's about like, this. It's, yeah. it's just, you need, it's going to have a life of its own. It's bringing something to the table Mm. The art is bringing something to the table that you just, we can't control. And every time we try to control it, we get mad at it and we're like, shame on you. Like it's a relationship, you know, it's a real partnership of, you know, you put your hands to things and things come out. But what happens through that, like it does bring something to the table. And I think that it's more about managing those expectations of, you know, okay, I can imagine this is going to be like this, but it, it's probably not. So let's just see what happens. It's definitely letting go of all expectations. And that's where I think we have to slow down to speed up because mm-hmm. if we can allow ourselves to literally just live in our own work, just live in it, live in it, be in it, just do, do, do. Don't worry about what you're going to do with it. I think we put way too much pressure on what are you going to do with this thing? And I know we want to be like highly productive, contributing to the family, blah, 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 blah. But (laughs) it doesn't, for me, it doesn't work well to do that. It, Mm. for me, what works best and when I'm really highly productive is when I literally just make as many mistakes and, and messes as possible, but, but process it process it look at it take it in look at it all together like how do we become better visual artists we make work and we reflect on it right in the world of painting i think the the challenge is the great thing is there's no one right answer but Mm -hmm. the hard thing when you come into it is that there is no one right answer and even learning that there is no one right answer is a process in itself it's not something that we come out of school we're really set up to think that in our early life that there is one right answer and it's usually what some adult is telling us. Art is definitely not like that. So we have to come up with defining our own values and defining our own measure of success. And hopefully that looks something like showing up for whatever it is that moves you, that engages you. Find that thing 
and give yourself the gift of continuing to show up for it, only good things can flow from that. A feeling of confidence, a feeling of, do you know what I would call it now for myself, a feeling of kind of peacefulness in your path. Yes, yes, I agree. It's like it is peace, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. One of the bigger challenges of really making authentic work is that there's this true vulnerability and exposed feeling that we have to hit face on. I've seen that in any kind of work that I'm bringing to life, even in this podcast. You know, there's this idea of like, oh, this is what it will be. And then there's the like, oh, no, this is what it really feels like, you know, and getting through it, I guess, and moving forward in spite of things. And sometimes that looks like just sharing your work with people that you can trust. You know, Mm. I think that sometimes we want to go to these big finished ideas and that's not the next step. The next step is getting comfortable with sharing. What's coming up for me is being exposed in terms of showing ideas that are in baby stages or that aren't, as you say, complete and everything that I would hope they would be, being, you know, vulnerable to to be a beginner. And the reality is like that's because they're that's the stage. That's mm-hmm. the stage and and I think that making sure that you're sharing that with people that you feel safe with is in they're mm. going to understand where you're at in that process. Because I think that one of the things I go back to my experience with bigger companies, they have, you know, little divisions and groups of people who work on ideas that are kind of separate from bringing them to market. And that's to protect those ideas and let them develop in that undeveloped state that they're in. I think that we as artists have that same challenge where we have to have this little space that's kind of more of a protected, undeveloped um, stage where you can really hash out these ideas or flush out these ideas. There's not many of us, I think, who are born into an artist community and kind of get to see all those real life models, we often find ourselves drawn to art and then find friends and family, real life support systems who don't really understand or go through those same processes. How much do you think being alone in that process impacts us? I think it's very dangerous and I know that sounds very scary and sad, but I think that we... Our imagination, which is so brilliant, but it will get the best of us Mm -hmm. if we stay alone with these ideas. From my own own experience, even with my supportive family, like there's a lot of stuff I've wanted to do that they just didn't get, you Mm -hmm. know, they didn't get. And so I couldn't flush it out with them because I think what we when we're in groups or a community that allows us to flush out ideas. It's not that they always have the right answer, but it's to give you space, to hold space for Mm. you to flush it out loud. Because sometimes when we say it out loud or we share it and we have that like, you know, heartfelt like, you know, like you want to throw up because you just shared something that you're like, it's not ready. (laughs) Oh, maybe that's me. (laughs) Because in the end, I I go back to that thing of like, you still are the only one who's going to know what you really want to make. No Mm. one can answer that for you. Um, But there can be people around you that can hold that space for you to flush that through so that you can really validate the idea for yourself first, 
then, you know, through what that could look like um, through various techniques. But I think that sometimes we have to reveal this side that maybe we haven't shown before and we have to Mm. get comfortable with doing that. We kind of have to practice doing that. I think when we practice that, then the lizard brain doesn't have as much power. But Mm. I think when you keep it to yourself, the lizard brain has 80% of the power in the conversation. So I think it's about dialing that puppy down and finding support in a way that you can quiet that. This is something to do with reaching a certain time in your life when you just don't give a f*** anymore. (laughs) It's true. I think there is a bit of a letting go, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to do the thing that I want to do and I might not be good at it and it might not go in a particular path that other people think is the path of success, but damn it, it's my life. And I get to make these decisions and I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. It's not that sense of, oh, everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be a success. Yeah. But it's the, damn it, I'm going to do it anyway. At that point, it becomes a commitment. I'm so glad that you tied that word commitment in there because it really is around the commitment we give to ourselves. Because I think we've said in previous episodes, no one's coming to save us. It's not about the one-step, three-step process, the guarantees, none of that. It's about committing to ourself and what we care about so that when we go into our studio, into our life, into any area, really, that we can show up in the way that we say we want to be. Because mm. it's one thing to be like, yeah, I want to be an artist. I love that. And then to not be in the studio is incongruent with that. There is a commitment that we have to make in order to get the result. If we try it on, let's just see. I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to see if this works. That's not going to give us a result. So you think if you say, let me try this thing, but I'm not going to kind of emotionally invest in it. It's just... uh... I'm not counting on it. It's a but. And I I just want to, maybe this is not the right way to say it, but just pull the rug out and say, that is definitely not going to get you results. I've tried that. It, it didn't actually get me enough momentum to move forward. There was this stop and start. Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Especially in the beginning path of an artist as well. So when you describe this, where where are we in Michelle's path? Yeah, that was earlier on. I didn't have my voice really even remotely figured out. So it was very non-committal there as well. Were you doing your design work and other things and you were just trying out painting on the side or had you No, I was I was going for it. It you was were on the painting was, path. I was on the painting path. And um, yet. I was definitely more I had little kids so a lot of time in into the parent world and wasn't necessarily full-time painter, but my mind mm-hmm. was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. But there was this dipping of the toe non-committal thing of like, is this going to work? I don't know. And it was really the level of commitment. And my husband could see it too. And it was just that decision to make it work was not there yet. When you say the commitment to this is going to work, tell me what this is. Me as a painter, selling paintings and making work I love and selling work I love, as opposed to being a designer who had a design brief, who had client. This was me doing work that I loved, which means I am the client. I have to please myself 
and finding a way to have that voice come forward. So I feel like there's a commitment level that we have to cross over that goes from, is this going to work? To, this is going to work. I'm going to do this. And the minute Mm. that happens, I feel like the path just starts opening up. You find resolution to things, opportunities that suit you better come up. And there's this thing that happens that kind of unlocks. I don't know how to describe it better than that. And, And it really was a shift of a decision and a commitment that was a next level that just, it wasn't there in the beginning for me. And I think that we... We're looking for proof. I'll go back to my earlier days. Like, I was looking for proof of this could work. So that's why I was asking my husband, the kids, is there proof here that this could work? Where I think that it's the other way around. When we commit, the the proof is revealed. You don't get proof that it's going to work. And then you go, oh, yeah, now I'm ready to commit. And we might think that the commitment is tied to a particular vision. So I, I have a really clear vision of myself as a painter, what that's going to look like, what success is going to look like, what my art is going to look like, and then Mm -hmm. I commit to that vision. And possibly, I I don't know, I'm throwing this out there, that could work. But I think actually what you're talking about is committing to a path and Mm -hmm. along the path, you're going to uncover what your art looks like, what it looks like for you to be a painter. It's sort of a commitment to discover as you go along and to keep showing up even though at times that vision can become very cloudy and Mm -hmm. not clear because if you commit to a particular vision and then five steps in some part of that falls apart you might say well I committed to that but it didn't work or you can commit to basically continuing to grow as an artist and knowing that you're you will show up, you will do what it takes to continue to grow. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the level of commitment I'm talking about. You're going to do what it takes, Mm. where when you're dipping your toe in, you might not always want to do what it takes. I'll give you an example of that. When you're new and you have no skill, you know, and you don't even know how paints work, you have to show up and make really ugly stuff. And Mm. that's just part of that commitment level of you have to keep doing that even mm. when the skills are not necessarily showing evidence that you can do this, mm. you know? I think there's different levels of that, even as you go on in your painting path where those things get harder. If if you're not committed to like, yeah, this is the journey, this is the path, and I'm committed, you're not willing to do those things, you're a bit fair-weathered about it. I do like like what you're saying there, Rain, Hail or Shine, you show up in the studio. What you're also committing to is that when problems and challenges and obstacles come up, you don't immediately take those as a sign that the whole thing is a waste or that the ship's going down. A disaster, (laughs) you're not cut out for it I might as well quit it's time to jump off the Titanic for me I don't I don't say this to myself anymore but there was earlier in the the process where it was like should I be doing this should I quit should I keep going exactly the back and forth back and forth yeah yeah and that takes energy doesn't it oh it's exhausting I found it really exhausting and uninspiring as well as soon as something doesn't work out quite right or you're not feeling the flow or you make something and you feel like oh I've really buggered up that painting I've made a move on it now it's I wish I wish I had an undo button 
Yeah. And if in that moment, that's when you immediately start thinking, I'm not cut out for this. Maybe this wasn't such a good idea. And let's call it more of a loving commitment at that point to instead of immediately counting yourself out, it's about saying, this is what I want. This is what I want to see through. So whether it's technical challenges, whether it's mindset stuff, whether it's negative talk or or a loss of energy or a loss of inspiration, instead of thinking immediately, I'm not cut out for this, I'm just going to jump ship, you can think, okay, how do I approach this? How do I keep moving? How do I get the technical skill that I'm missing here? Or how do I adjust my mindset? How do I find support, find community, whatever it is you need to continue on so this and this kind of floats my boat a bit more we could say you're committing to yourself and committing to not abandoning yourself in the process and the other thing is what I've found is whatever you're looking for you will find evidence of so if you're looking Mm. for evidence of why this isn't going to work for you and why you don't know what you're doing and gee I might suck you're going to find evidence of that you're also going to have the same thing happen if you're looking for evidence of how this could work if you actually are open to finding that evidence as well. I always feel like whatever you're looking for, you're going to find more of. It's like, you know, when you go to decide to buy a silver car and then all of a sudden you see all these silver cars, like your mind is going to go find those things that you're looking for. So I think part of the shift in the decision is to make a decision to find proof and evidence of ways that it will work. And then that's where I feel like there's an unlocking that happens that's all of a sudden these things just start laying out in front of you. You know, whether Mm. that's learning more about who you are and how you want to execute your art or techniques, whatever that is, it feels like these dominoes just start falling. We're so attached to who we've always been. I mean, Mm -hmm. even though if, I don't think we necessarily admit that we're attached to who we've always been. But especially if we've had some successes in things, you know, there might be something like, well, I've always done this, and so I should keep doing that. And for me, it was a process of really being okay with disappointing other people as Mm -hmm. well, disappointing their expectations of what it should look like, Mm. as opposed to just really honoring. And I think that's the tricky part is because that's an uncertain process as an artist. Like we don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know the outcome. So when we're honoring that and shedding, we don't know what the new space looks like. You know, Mm. it's, and it's hard because you, you kind of have to be like, I'm going to honor it anyway, even if I don't know what it's going to look like. And so it kind of feels like a void. It's stepping off into a void. Yes, which is, I think, really cool because there's all this space for this new stuff to bubble up and evolve. It's so personal because no one can tell you what the fire in your belly should look like or be like. It's all up to you to decide what lights that fire and Mm -hmm. that process and that drive. This really is like an unlocking of a drive, this compelled feeling of creation in a way that you really honor and feel good about in in the path not necessarily that the vision is clear but that fire and understanding what that fire is for you i think is the crucial piece 
I don't really want to create an art business or art practice that I don't actually want to do. Mm. And I, you know, I don't want to have regrets about that kind of stuff or feel like I'm the rebel teenager who is told what to do and I don't want to do it anymore, you know? So mm. that's where I think looking at it and saying, what, what do I love enough that I could surprise myself on a regular basis and just explore? Because again, what is art? It's just really looking at something and asking these questions and then the output is the art. What questions are interesting enough to look at? discovering what's unique to us that's what we're saying it's not about going out there to find something that can be your unique thing it's about letting go of the things that you think you need to be or letting go Mm -hmm. of the way that you think your art has to look and I think that if you can shed those masks and shed those um, ideas, expectations. Yeah, shed the beliefs and the ideas and the expectations of yourself. If you can let yourself be broken down enough, I think yes. that's where the vulnerability comes in. And yes. it's also interconnected. If you can let go of those things, those walls that we put up and the masks that we put up to protect ourselves from. Mm-hmm. It being really seen as we really are, you know, that that person who's just deeply in love with colour, instead of layering stuff on top of that to try and make it appear more important to other people and layering stuff on top of ourselves to make ourselves seem more important to other people, if you can let go of all that stuff, you get right down to something that's really meaningful to you it's that uncovered onion skin you know the one that's really new and tender Mm -hmm. and you're vulnerable but that's the point at which you start creating art which surprises people it surprises you if it's surprising you it's surprising others because as you've said before it's your unique it's truly your unique view it's the, the it's the perspective that only you can have but you can only bring that out if you can take the risk of letting go of everyone else's perspectives and clearing out all that noise and risk saying what only you can say and yes. risk doing it as much as you might worry or then feel that it's small or it's not important or whatever it is. But you've got to let go of all that stuff and make the art that's you. If you can allow yourself to, to have a... I don't want to say breakdown, like have a breakdown. <laughs> it sometimes can look like a breakdown, but allowing yourself to break down all of the pieces and clearly look at it in a way that you start to see yourself more clearly. Because I think this is where imposter syndrome kind of comes in. When we don't see ourselves enough, you know, in our own mm-hmm. work, we can feel like an imposter because we've collected all these ideas and things and, and it feels like we're maybe living on someone else's, like we're borrowing their art, so to speak. Mm. And I think when we start peeling the onion and we can see ourselves more clearly, that imposter syndrome just goes out the door because you're living your truth. People are waiting for you to show up as yourself. They really are. It's hard to come to terms with that, I think, sometimes, especially if there's a lot mm. of self-doubt in who we are. Um, even beyond the artist, like just self-doubt in general and to feel like we can honor something that feels 
I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's like we think we have this dirty little secret, this secret underworld of ourselves. And it's like, people are like, oh yeah, that's you. You're like, oh, why didn't I do this sooner? The the weird thing that you have in you, that little secret, that little onion that's been, you know, maybe buried or the flame was lit once and you snuffed it out. Like, just have a look at it. Look at it closer and find a way to light that flame and light the flame so freaking big that the other stuff is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. 